0: Welcome to Church Unscripted this week. Um, We're getting you this episode one day early because guess what this week is? Thanksgiving. We're glad you're here watching with us on this Thanksgiving week and hope you're able to spend time with friends and family this week. Um, I'm here with Pastor Eric. And Courtney, our women's ministry leader, which I'm excited you're here with us. You even brought a coffee cup. I, You're actually bringing the decor up on this That's table, right. okay? That's mm-hmm. right. So we are really excited today to discuss um, a topic that is somewhat controversial, right? Very <laughs> um, much. Absolutely. Because last week we talked about heaven. This week we're talking about hell. Right. And um, the last, the first time I heard the word hell, it was probably in a explicitive. So yeah, I'm no just, <laughs> I'm thinking as a child. So, so, Eric, can you summarize what you shared, Sunday? Because I feel like it's not as easy as some people might think to talk about hell. Yeah. And I think you had a, a good way of approaching it.
1: Yeah, happy to. It's, it's funny, I've got a short story that I found funny. Uh, yesterday, somebody uh, used the word hell in an explicit kind of way, like as a cuss word, like in front of me. And they said, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I said, don't worry. I used that same word about 30 times this morning. At so uh, they, they didn't think it was as funny as I thought it was, but I still was glad I said it. Uh, anyway, so we talked about hell this week. And the reason is because if, if we're going to spend time talking about heaven, we really ought to talk about hell because just as heaven is real, so hell is real as well. And if you can't believe in hell, then that calls into question uh, your theology on, on basically everything else about scripture, about Jesus, about faith. And so we need to talk about it because there's just so much confusion, so much misunderstanding about what hell is. And I found it fascinating as I'm listening to a sermon uh, this last week in preparation for my preaching. I, I learned that 76 percent of Americans believe in heaven, but only six percent of Americans believe in hell, which is a crazy concept to consider. Wow. And I thought, oh man. Mm. So again, so I did, what I just did is, is pulled some passages, primarily from Matthew 25 and then Revelation 20, to talk about uh, this is this is the perspective of hell that God is giving us glimpses of hell mm-hmm. enough, I think, to scare us in a healthy kind of way, but to drive us to faith in Jesus who is offering this hope of salvation. And so what we learn is that hell is a place that, um, um, it, it's not necessarily where I believe that people are on fire for eternity in an utter agony. That might be true, but I'm having a hard time believing that right now. Whereas in hell, you're surrounded by a lake of fire that you cannot cross but it's a place that you can still think rationally um, and have conversation, which is why in the story of the gospels, uh, the rich man who went to hell have a conversation with Lazarus across the gap, who's in heaven. um, and, And it's an interesting insight into what hell actually is. So, but I don't, I'm... I, I might've just scratched the surface. I think, I think really we is. have
0: so many questions today. I think yeah. I, I have 12 questions, like the 12 disciples. we going to get up to 12 questions. 12 questions. Today. I think so. Two minutes each. So so Pastor Eric, I'm going to ask Courtney this first question. Yeah. So um, Pastor Eric on Sunday mentioned that hell's a real place. Now that's a pretty controversial statement. Courtney, I mean, what makes you believe that as well? I mean, it, it, if it's a real place- what, why, why would you think it's a real place?
2: Why would I think it? Yeah. Um, well, for one, it's in the scriptures. So um, I, would, I would say, I have always decided I would kind of reserve my opinion about what that might look like or what that might, where that might be, because there are so many questions surrounding hell and where mm-hmm. is it and yeah. what is it actually like. Um, but I loved how it was presented yesterday for starters, Um, but because it's talked about in the scriptures, 100%, I believe in hell and that it's there, Um, but I don't, again, like I'm not one who's going to just decide what I think it is and then stand on that. I'm open to someone explaining it to me better, Um, so... What was the question again? No, if
0: it, that, yeah. the statement's controversial, why would you believe that why hell's a
2: real place? I, why would I take a stance in believing yeah, it when yeah, yeah. it is so controversial? Um, yeah, again, because the Bible says so. Mm-hmm. The Bible wow, tells me so. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: I mean, that, that's I about mean, as true and accurate of an answer as
2: I was going to say, yeah, Courtney. Right. You, I don't you know. Don't this even... wasn't very hard of a yeah.
0: question. <laughs> that's what I said. <laughs> I, I, an easy I think one. You got it. So, um, this is a bigger question, okay? I I always I, I started off with with a question. That like I like how animated he gets when he bigger qu- us for a Let's question. is huge. <laughs> so, can you explain the concept of time in relation to eternity? Because Oof. when you talk about hell, how does one experience eternity in hell? Like like I left Sunday going, okay. I love what Pastor Eric said. But what does that even mean when it comes to hell and eternity? So, mm-hmm. so uh, I mean. Maybe we could say in the Old Testament, it talks about God's above time, Mm -hmm. but we're
1: not above time, our bodies age. What does that look like? Yeah, that's a big question. It's actually a question that's a far bigger controversy than just heaven or hell, but the reality is scripture does talk about both heaven and hell being eternal realities. Now, the problem is because right now we're confined by time, it might be hard for our brains to wrap around Mm -hmm. the concept of eternity. However, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean um, that when we get to heaven, we will be confined by time. Now, let me pause and say this. I don't see in scripture, now, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't see in scripture where it says that when we're in eternity, that there won't be time. I mean, where's the Bible verse that says that? So here's what I'm trying to say. Even though we're confined by time now, when we're in eternity, eternity, it doesn't mean there still won't be time. I mean, I don't know, am I speaking heresy here? So I think what it means is- Well, because our that, bodies won't age necessarily exactly, and like that. So, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, scripture says like in, in the eyes of God, like a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. And so if you're trying to understand eternity from that very, very limited passage, you go get the idea that there is a time sense in eternity. However, what we think takes forever right now Will perhaps go quick. Mm. Um, I imagine you know how you know how we feel like when we're just having a great time, the time flies by, mm-hmm. and when we're bored out of our minds, it's just ticking away. Drag. I have a suspicion that that that. Ooh, might I be love suspicions. To, yeah, there go. <laughs> that might be one way that you can define heaven or hell. It's that mm-hmm. even though heaven is an eternity, you're experiencing such a degree of joy. That you're like, oh my goodness, a thousand years already went by. It feels like I just got here. Right. And when in your hell, it's like, oh, that was just the day. I feel like I've been here for a thousand Mm -hmm. years. And so I still think the sense and feeling of time will be in place because that helps us understand the joy or the sorrow of what we're experiencing in the moment.
2: Yeah. I I don't know. I feel like we are only human. And so we are so confined by what a human feels time is that we can't even grasp what that looks like to God, to really be seeing it from beginning to end and all at once in every person's life. Like we can't even grasp that. So when you talk about once we get there, I mean, we, we don't know because we Mm -hmm. are still human. Now we will be in a different form. So maybe it'll, maybe it will look different. You could be absolutely right. I don't think it's heresy at all.
1: Yeah. Well, but thank you. I think you it does open up more questions. I, I love, I love, I
0: love, According, You could be absolutely yeah. right. You <laughs> yeah, could could. Be. You're leaving I mean, the opening for me to really be a heretic. I, but, that's right. kind of what I tell my kids when they're wrong, though. Yeah. I, you could be absolutely right. No, I'm just
1: yeah, that's, <laughs> I'm that's a really nice way of saying, I know I'm right and you're wrong. So, uh, yeah, but right. she didn't, she said the same thing though. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think so,
2: God's ways are higher. Like that's he right. tells us that. Yeah. We can't know what we don't know. Yeah. So there, I mean, there's hope in that.
0: Well, and that's, that's probably why, heaven and hell are so controversial. And like, people don't want to believe in hell because hell's a lot worse than heaven, right? In some ways. So let me, let me, I want to go back to Lazarus a little bit, because when you mentioned Lazarus, I think it's really important. There's the story of the rich man and Lazarus and the rich man can see Lazarus and they're interacting. So you already kind of answered this, but I'd like to go a little bit deeper. Does this mean there's some level of interaction between heaven and hell? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, just, mm.
1: just. Oh, she's drinking her coffee. She's like, oh, I can't
0: um, answer. Yeah. Right oh, now. you see Sorry. how court? You I to gotta take a drink. drink. Like, well, oh. Eric yes. did
2: say yesterday that the two had a conversation that was written about in scriptures, and we've already established that the scripture says it's so, so it is.
0: I mean, honestly, before you unpack that, I had never had a thought at all about it. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Well, I, I didn't either until I heard that <laughs> priest. Another sermon. I'm like, man, I'm 40. How have I not thought of this before? And, but then when I heard it, I thought- Well, now it you're 40. So you thought it. of it. Yeah, that's, right, that's right. I've arrived. Absolutely. Uh, it's a really interesting thought. I mean, is there going to be any kind of interact? Look, it's one thing for those in hell to see what's happening in heaven. Yeah. Is it possible for those in heaven to see what's happening in hell? Right. I mean, and then would that in any way- um, um, diffuse the value of your heavenly experience? Because I assume that once we're in heaven, we're not going to lose compassion. We'll probably grow more in compassion. Mm.
2: Yeah, but I don't think so yeah. because we are promised no more weeping, no more tear. you know, mm-hmm. all of that. And so I think we won't, we won't, I think that that part of our humanness will be removed because, I mean, I don't know what I'm Yeah. I just think we will not be, we will be so in the presence of God that all that we feel is love and adoration and praise that, that we won't be able to. But will we be able to see? I, I
1: yeah. don't know. And there's the very real possibility that, you know, based upon the Revelation 20 text that I read, that perhaps right now where hell is, mm-hmm is in a proximity to heaven so that there can be that at least visual interaction, right? But mm-hmm. what Revelation 20 says is both death and Hades, which we interpret as hell, will then be mm-hmm. cast into the lake of fire. Right. So there might be a time where it's completely removed so that there's mm-hmm. not even the possibility of interaction right. anymore.
2: And the new heaven and new earth hasn't.
1: There you go. Well, we haven't yet. even started talking about the new heaven and new earth. That's a whole nother conversation.
2: Okay, sorry.
1: No, no, I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> I mean, what the point is that there's so much to yes. The afterlife oh that Scripture gives us glimpses into—that this is this is worth more than just one Sunday sermon. Right. Yeah. Sure. yeah.
0: So so on Sunday you brought up the point that there's different views on hell. There's mm-hmm. different views on heaven. So I'm going to unpack some of the questions someone might have about hell, like yeah. about different perspectives. So mm-hmm. um, something I've been asked before is there is, if there's any biblical references or teachings in Scripture about the existence of different levels or degrees of punishment in hell?
1: Is there? So, so that <laughs> is a good question. Now, now it's interesting. Courtney's like, some of the Some of the sources that I listened to in preparation for this message suggest that, hmm. that, that there is levels of punishment in hell. Um, he didn't go into scriptural depth in terms of where he's getting that from. Um, one, of the th- one of the comments that he made, this is Tony Evans, one of the comments he made is, is that if you say, you know what, I'm a good person, then the idea is that, well, you'll have a minimum security sentence when you're in hell for eternity. And I thought, I, d- I don't know how to respond to that. So I didn't bring any of that into the message because I'm confused on that myself. So I'm not, so, I mean, the Bible talks about seven levels of heaven that Paul talks about. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what that means though.
0: Uh, so, so what I, the, the one thing I've learned, and this is not a, uh, um, this is something that I was thinking about this, this week, yesterday, um, when you were preaching, um, was there is, there is a lot of tradition around that there's different levels of punishment, like Mm -hmm. the rings of Dante's Inferno, things that like over history that the church has adopted, but I can't find a place where like, it's the same, but the reason if it's a mirror of heaven, let's say. Um, in heaven, we're laying our crowns at the feet of Jesus, but we don't keep those crowns. They're Jesus's crowns. I can imagine that maybe there's an equivalent for hell, but I can only imagine. Uh-huh, that was a bad pun. Mm-hmm. Did you heaven? just
1: reference a song That's from mercy, like 1992? Mer- yeah, mercy me. Okay. <laughs> Half of our congregation has no idea what yeah, you're talking so, about.
0: So, yeah. But it's not something that is scripturally grounded. right. Mm-hmm. You could you could kind of assume or get there, I think, very easily. But yeah, um, so it's not like okay, this is the place for all the, the murderers go over here, mm-hmm. and the people that that were good go over here. You know, you got different sentences. I don't I don't
1: think but that's that's a very good accurate. point because I think a lot of our images of the afterlife are the result of like medieval medieval caricatures. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like the whole idea of the devil has like a, a pitchfork and like yeah. two red horns and stuff. Mm-hmm. Where do you get that? Whereas the scripture actually says that Lucifer Satan is the most, was the most beautiful of all the angels. Yeah. And so I suspect if we were to actually see him right now, uh, we would be like, oh my goodness, I've never seen anything more beautiful than that. And then two seconds later, you'd be like, but man, are they cold mm. and evil and heartless and cruel. Um, but I mean, so I, to your point, a lot of our images of the afterlife is the mm. result of a medieval caricature that may or may not be accurate. Yeah, I mean- that's like,
0: I think of even how sports teams have adopted mm-hmm. things like that and everything. It's, there's a lot out there mm-hmm. um, that is a character. So Courtney, do you have anything to add to that? This, what, this one, or do you want me to move on so, to the next question?
2: No, I don't. I don't, um, I don't think I agree with having layer, layers of yeah. hell because sin is sin. That's what Jesus says. They're all the same. The point is, is that we choose him. So should we be worried about like, well, if I do go to hell, then at least maybe I will, I'm a good, like, I don't think that's what he wants us to be debating and thinking about. I think he just wants us to choose him and believe that he has wiped the slate clean.
0: So I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out. You made me just think of an idea. This is totally shooting from the hip right now. But the reality is there's a lot of people that grew up in the church that have heard Quote, unquote, I I joked with you when you were preaching about hell, hellfire and brimstone preaching. Mm -hmm. And the reality, it's not actually about hell, Courtney, is what you just were telling us. And I think that's kind of important. And that's what you were getting at Sunday, Eric, is that it's more about your relationship with Jesus. Hell is a byproduct of rejecting him, but it's not what we should be focused on. Mm -hmm. Is that, I mean... But yet, people don't believe in it. So, I mean, it's good to believe in it, but in the end, it's not what we should be emphasizing per se. And it
2: is right. important right. that we discuss it, especially from the pulpit. Like we should be talking about the reality of what life without Jesus is. Right. And I right. think that was done really well Yeah, Thank this you. last week.
1: I, I've got a question for you guys. I mean, yeah. based upon the uh, that statistic or the percentage, 76% of Americans believe in heaven, 6% only believe in hell. Uh, what are the... What are the consequences? <laughs> no, that's the wrong word. Um, what are the theological or even lifestyle ramifications of only believing in heaven where there is no such thing as a hell?
0: Well, I, 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 think, I think there is some... Um complications you might say i think of when paul says do not continue sinning lest grace may abound and he's like being a little bit sarcastic like mm-hmm. you are going to continue sin but you shouldn't just go out and sin because now you know jesus but you're not letting him transform you mm-hmm. um because i think in some ways um it turns us into people that okay we're doing it for the wrong reasons or mm-hmm. whatever it might be um i think the the presence of hell should not be the primary motivator in our faith and so not believing in hell implies that, well, I don't believe in hell. So if I am, you know, okay in my relation with Jesus, which reality is not a relationship with Jesus because you're not all in, um, then things can be okay. So like, uh, I think of it like this. If someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus, they get baptized, they go to church, they attend, but then they also are in the word every day. They're doing all all the things that we tell people to do. Um and they don't believe in hell then do they believe the scriptures and that's that's kind of the root of it is when you get further and you understand more of what Jesus is teaching you receive him as he is including everything that he says in scripture and you you read things that Jesus said right on Sunday i mean so if you're not going to believe that then there is a problem you're not believing everything you're believing you're actually maybe this maybe this is uh controversial, but you're actually just believing a Jesus that you've made up in your own mind because mm. it's, uh, basically uh, what am I, what am I thinking of? Uh, it's convenient. It's what you want to hear rather than what God says is actually going on.
2: Yeah, And so, I think it's comfort too, because you don't, I mean, we all know people who are unsaved, so we mm-hmm. don't want to believe that that's what their reality will be someday. Um, but on the <laughs> same hand, we can't, we can't understand what Jesus did, what he paid, what cost he paid if we don't believe in hell because our, our sentence would be death eternally if it weren't for him. So if we, can't, if we can't believe that much of it, then we're only believing halfway, right? The gospel halfway.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, it, it's a sobering reality because if there is no hell, then Not we been who saved are, from anything, right? Exactly. Right. Then we who are Christians are the most pitied or ought to be the most pitied people on the planet because we have put our faith and trust and given our lives over to a savior that didn't need to come because there's nothing we need saved from. Right. And what that means is that the scriptures, the church, the belief in belief in any kind of deity whatsoever is a waste of your time. Therefore, the greatest theology, the greatest lifestyle you could possibly live is eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we may die. Because whenever you do die, who cares? You're all gonna end up in heaven, whatever that looks like anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So live it up now, but if hell does exist, that calls into reality everything else about our faith. Mm-hmm. And so I, as much as I would say, Jesus is the center point of, of our faith. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, that is <coughs> contingent upon the reality of hell. And if not, then it's all a waste of time yeah well something something you said
0: i think is really important for people to realize is when when we don't realize what we're saved from we can very easily become lukewarm if you look in revelation the beginning of revelation talks about laodicea and it says they're lukewarm Mm -hmm. it's like they're not hot they're not cold they're just kind of lukewarm and he talks about the destruction of that church which now we know there's ruins and it's been destroyed but the reality is there's a lot of us that are lukewarm. We're like a frog in a boiling pot.
2: Mm-hmm. We
0: don't know we're in the boiling pot because we're too busy like thinking, well, I don't really want to believe in hell because it's uncomfortable or it's this. And then we don't realize we've been saved for anything. So it makes us lukewarm faith. We're not passionate about our faith in Jesus Christ. So yeah.
2: And therefore yeah. we're not following his commission to then yeah. build yeah. disciples and share mm-hmm. what we know because- What's the and
1: point. The, the, the really sad part of that is, I mean, what percentage of Americans claim to be Christians, Ryan? Do you know what that percentage is? Oh, uh, it's I mean,
0: under 50%
1: now. But I mean, it's still, it's, it's still it's, close to 50%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what that statistic showed me is if 6% of Americans believe in hell, then only 6% of the entire American population has the capacity to believe in a Jesus that they need saved.
2: Yeah, wow. Uh, they can
1: actually offer salvation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's a sobering thought.
2: That
1: was Wow. Mm. I want to transition to another question. Let's that's heavy. Some, that's so lighter. heavy. Yeah. Well, we're talking about
0: hell all day yeah, right. today, so I don't know if there's yeah. any lighter questions. Maybe purgatory or something. <laughs> so, so, okay. So there's, there's a lot of people out there that look at hell as only a punishment. Okay. So that's why I'm, this is where this question is coming from. But I was thinking about this Sunday as you were preaching. Um, do you think hell serves a purpose other than punishment? And is there a possibility
1: of growth or transformation in hell? Well, you know, that's—I that's, I don't think so. I mean, as as hard as that is to hear, I, I don't think that's possible because one, in heaven, there's no sin; therefore, there's no chance of being corrupted by sin. In hell, there's no holiness, so there's a possibility of becoming more holy.
0: Wow, you just uh, answered the question better than I thought I could. Well, okay, that's 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 it. I mean that the the reality is hell is completely separate from the absence, is the absence of God Mm -hmm. and the absence of any holiness. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. um, but Satan went there, he was the maestro, you know? And so there's some people out there that might believe something different, but really that's what scripture teaches, I Mm -hmm. think. Courtney, you got anything?
2: No, I mean, I, I don't think that there, like there would be a way to level up, right? In hell but i never thought about when you first asked the question i thought oh i wonder if you <laughs> this is just so silly to even wonder but like do you have regrets do you kind of wish you had made a different choice do you, like are, is our human brain still kind of active or are we just in anguish Right, I think like, because if you have some right. regrets, couldn't oh, yeah. you then? Yeah, that's a little bit of growth, but well, that doesn't mean you get. Away. Well, the, the <laughs> thing is,
1: on this earth, we we can have regrets, but on the other side of the regret, there's always the possibility of restoration.
2: Yeah, the
1: thing about hell is, I fully believe that you'll experience regret more than you ever have on this earth, yeah. but it'll be absent of any possibility no of of any hope. Yeah, so you will be stuck, and that's yeah. probably, perhaps one of the worst things of hell is not again not the fire but recognizing what your regret in this life could have led to on the mm-hmm. other side of the gap mm-hmm. in heaven, but know that there's never possibility of, of that regret or that shame or those, man, I made some bad decisions ever yeah. being reconciled. It's
2: awful. Oh, yeah. Don't go there. No, don't go
1: there. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> d- d-
0: don't go there. go there. Wow. I, I should got... have been the take home. Right. Don't go there. I've right. got some more questions on hell. Right. <laughs> 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 so so this is, this is something that I've wondered and um wasn't something that I think can be answered in one sermon probably not even in a series but so we'll see if we can approach it today but can can you guys address the idea of God's infinite love and grace in in relation to that eternal suffering in hell and the suffering may not be what we think it is you know like when I when I was a kid you know I think of like oh no I'm going to be burning forever well we're not even talking about that we're talking more about the the anguish of knowing like wow that's what Jesus was talking about this whole time, but now I have no chance of being there. The The lack of hope, yep. the ultimate desperation, you might mm-hmm. say, would be that suffering rather than like, a, I think we think about physical terms, but I think what we're gonna realize is we're talking about our soul mm-hmm. and it's gonna be much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. So can you address the di- idea of God's infinite love and grace and also in relationship to that suffering in,
1: for eternity? I mean, in hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know what, it, just because God has infinite love and grace does not mean that it is always available. Infinite does not necessarily mean available on all circumstances. I mean, in fact, if you continue to read the story of Lazarus and the rich man, after Lazarus said, no, I can't take a drop of water and put it on your tongue, the rich man in hell said, well, then could you at least send Lazarus, this is right the right story, yeah, yeah. to like my loved ones still alive and tell them about this place. And, and Lazarus, uh, I think Lazarus said, well, that's why they have Moses and the prophets and everything. Mm, and so yeah. his infinite, done. oh yeah, his infinite love and grace has already provided us everything we need for life and godliness, right? And and if you choose to reject that, that's not a lack of infinite mm-hmm. love. That's simply you choosing to reject it. Right? Am I yeah. right? Yeah.
0: No, that's, I, it's matter of fact, I think when we talk about hell, it's pretty matter of fact. <laughs> it feels like it, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, I think I, I think what you, you address on Sunday as, as, there's, there's a group that's going to receive Jesus and reject Jesus. You didn't put it in that way, but that's, that's what I was getting out. And I think that's, that's really what people need to understand about heaven and hell is you're receiving Jesus or you're rejecting Jesus. It's not because it's for all eternity. You can receive Jesus now and you have all the chances in the world, right? And that's what you're just saying. Like, hey, Lazarus said, you've already had this chance. But there's a point where that, there's finality to it. We're all mortal, Mm-hmm. and so we all have that opportunity before mm-hmm. we meet Jesus. I mean, I could die in a car crash tomorrow, and I'd be like, well, at least I'm with my Savior. I'd miss my family. I'd miss mm-hmm. my wife, you know. I'd miss my friends. I'd miss you guys, but, like, I'm with Jesus. I Glad probably you
1: wouldn't even remember. added us in that list. Yeah, I feel that absolutely. Was the very, you know? yep, thank thank
0: I did you, put you in that uh, list. Yeah, so, so uh, okay. This is a question I've been asked before, too, about hell, okay? So if Jesus died for our sins right? And rose from the grave. Does this mean his sacrifice extends to those in hell? We've already answered the second half of my question because there's no opportunity for repentance or forgiveness in hell. Mm-hmm. But did Jesus's blood, did it cover those in hell?
1: What was the passage? And I can't remember the passage right now. I referenced it in my message, but it says that Jesus led a train of captives. He went to hell and he preached the gospel.
0: In uh, hell.
1: I believe is it in first or second Peter? You, you talked about it. it, the spirits in prison.
0: Doesn't he say preach yeah. spirits in prison? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought it was first or second Peter. It's one of the, mm-hmm. the
1: minor epistles. Or yeah, the, so th- there's something to that. I think there's some substance to what you're suggesting. In fact, um, th- that's a that's a great question that I, I feel I need to do some more research on to speak accurately on. But I do think that, I, I think that was a one-time opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that there's continually a, an opportunity for that to happen. But when Jesus was there, he's like, guys, I'm your savior. Mm-hmm. I might be the fulfill, I am the fulfillment of what you've been hoping for um, and here's your chance. But so I don't know, I'm not. Well, I'm and not. Si- some some people have have nuanced this a little bit
0: like theologically and said, well, the blood of Jesus is for all, but it was only applied to those that are in heaven, you know, that receive him. Mm-hmm. If he's received that blood mm-hmm. is, they're their, essentially the payment for their sin. Yeah. Um, but, it's very interesting. I mean, Courtney, you look like you've got something to say about this because well, I, I, I'm curious.
2: It is meant for all as God sent Jesus to die for all because he loves all. But I think the stipulation is that we have to believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to believe while we're alive, but mm-hmm. like while we're here mm-hmm. on earth yeah so yeah I, th- I to me think clear.
1: theologically I believe that Jesus died for all sin all people and thus all people are saved until they reject that gift mm. it's like he's thrown out a life raft for everybody and some people have just chosen not to get into the life raft mm-hmm. um, and I think that's also true for, <laughs> for I know what, Pat, I know what illustration you're talking about I'm like oh, yep yeah. <laughs> I mean <laughs> it just makes sense but I think that's also true for people in parts of the world at certain times that never had the opportunity even to hear the name of Jesus. No missionary ever got there. Mm. Uh, instead, they grew up in a culture where um, the, the religious system was perhaps more animistic or uh, mm-hmm. Native American, and they would talk about the great spirit in the sky, something like that. And so what I, I believe is that even though they might not have heard the name of Jesus, mm-hmm they worshiped according to the law that God wrote on their hearts and on their minds, even Mm -hmm. if they didn't have the right names or the right perspective accurately, Mm -hmm. so that when they die, it's not that they're going to hell because they never put faith in Jesus. Maybe it's it's based upon the little bit of light that God showed to them in their hearts and minds. Maybe all it was is they looked into the sky and be like, oh my goodness, there has to be a creator to Mm -hmm. this. And that was a response of faith Mm -hmm. to the revelation of light that God had given them so that when they die and they see Jesus face to face, they're like, oh, I recognize you. Mm -hmm. And I live by faith based upon the literal. And I know that's controversial. Well, but but what about the whole Old Testament?
0: God didn't reveal himself to people in the Old Testament, but he didn't reveal himself to every Israelite. Mm -hmm. And yet he says that by faith, you have been saved. Like, like. The Abraham, like if you go into Hebrews, there's the Hall of Faith, and he's talking about all these people from the Old Testament that were saved because of their faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. they didn't know about Jesus, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: The name Jesus wasn't even on the top the tip yep. of their tongues.
1: They had and no it was idea. Credited so. to them as righteousness. Yes. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think. now I'm th- not trying to push a pluralistic universalistic thing that says if you're just religious and you're you're a sincerely religious person, I'm not suggesting that. I'm saying that that God reveals Himself not equally to everyone. And we're responsible to responding to that revelation by faith,
2: so it's like an equal opportunity for oh, all humankind,
1: I think the Holy Spirit is reaching people that we have no clue about, yeah, I think he's going into the world that Christians can't go into, mm. and he's drawing people to himself through dreams, through revelations, through visions,
2: yeah
1: um, and he's good enough to do that,
2: yeah I agree with that
1: wow, that was <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was easy so. I am going to move the controversy a little bit higher now. Okay. Oh. So this is this is one of the most controversial things when you're when you're a new believer, you talk about these <laughs> terms and this balance of two things. So predestination and then the sovereign will of God. So how does that intersect? How do we talk about mm-hmm. hell when it comes to using the word predestination? Um, and how can that be reconciled with God being a loving and yet just God? Because again, there's a price we can agree as christians that there's a penalty for sin whether it's jesus's blood or our own there's a penalty for sin absolutely and so so how do we reconcile the fact that scripture uses the word predestination but then also is not it's not conclusive or clear that this is there's predestination to what mm-hmm. because i i believe uh, the scripture that uses that word says predestination to good works and it's talking about like what we're doing here when we follow Jesus. So I'm just throwing the bomb out there. No, that's there's a two good, sides, predestination or free will. Like
1: big grenade. Can I just yeah. say
2: something so that you yeah. can then like clean it up and fix it? If uh, I, sure. Okay. Yeah. So I think that again, like it's an equal God, God's wish is for all to choose. Mm-hmm. Right? Green. Yeah. Um, but he also, like we talked about earlier is not in time. So he knows the end. He already knows. Who's not going to choose them? Whoa,
0: Courtney, he's not in time? Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so therefore he knows who it's going to fall on deaf ears. We don't get, like, we don't mm-hmm. know. We're not supposed to judge that. But maybe that is the predetermining or like, I already know this handful of children of mine who aren't going to choose me. Like maybe it's not so much about God saying, well, these are my people, everyone else, like, good luck. I don't think that's the way, but I could be wrong. Could, well, you could show Well, and
0: Courtney, I think yeah. I think you make a good point because I think sometimes we impose human values or what we see in the world on God, mm-hmm. and in His infinite wisdom, He thinks differently. He knows all, and He's separate from time. So that that sounds pretty accurate because on in this world, we're like, oh, you're in, you're not in. Right. It's like getting, it, it almost we look at we look at this topic as something that it's like picking. The kickball team at school in elementary school, and you're the last person picked. You know, you're on this team, and you're on this team. You're on team hell, and you're on team heaven. <laughs> you know, like, like I think we look at it that way, mm-hmm. rather than looking at it as like, okay, no, God knows all. Mm-hmm. He's not sitting there dividing us up. We're either receiving him or
1: rejecting him, and that's that's as a matter of fact. I mean, Eric, do you have? No, you have I I, to add I agree. Um, when I hear the word predestined in Scripture, when I hear God's sovereignty, I, I fully agree with with scriptural truth, but I, I apply it a little bit differently than that debate that's brought up. And I've been yeah. in so many of those debates in college and in philosophy classes. Here's what I to believe, very similar to what you said. It's God's predestined all of us to be saved. Mm. And he has all the sovereignty in the world, to make that happen. He's got sovereignty over sin, sovereignty over death, sovereignty over the grave. And so he now has the sovereign power to predestine everyone to be saved. But because he's also given us free will, mm-hmm. we can choose not to. So mm-hmm. to put this in perspective, I wanna ask you a question. Tell our viewers how many kids you have. Six. Six kids. <laughs> you have your own basketball team.
2: That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> team Felton. <film.
1: clears throat> yep. Um, and tell, tell us by name which of your six kids you want to go to hell?
2: Oh, okay, let me think. Mm-hmm. Hmm, Whoa, wait, wait, wait. Did you just curse?
1: You <laughs> yeah, want
0: her maybe. kids to go to hell? Maybe.
1: No.
2: <laughs>
1: Zero. Zero. Them. How could, could you ever imagine yourself looking at your six no. kids and saying, I like these better. They're going to heaven with me, but those kids, nah, eternity away from
2: me. Yeah,
1: no. So if if that's the heart and compassion of parents who are in a broken, corrupted, sinful world, mm-hmm. can you imagine a a God of holiness saying that too? No. I mean, so, I mean, if I look at you and be like, hey, Corn, I just wanna let you know, God told me that I'm destined for heaven, but not so much for you. I mean, what am I telling you, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe in his full sovereignty and I believe in him able to predestine every one of us to go to hell. But I just don't see the passages where it suggests that he says, I'm gonna send you to hell.
0: So there's two things I thought of as you were talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, you're going to be like, what's the connection? I thought of Bruce Almighty, the movie. And then I also (laughs) thought of- A uh, great
1: way to interpret scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then I also thought of the scripture passage where it talks about angels long to look into such things. When it's talking about salvation. Okay. So in Bruce Almighty, if someone's not seen it, there's a point in the movie where he's, he's God, he's responding to email prayers, right? Right. And he's got this woman that he's in love with and- there's this angel that's speaking to him like Michael the angel and says, um, "You can't make her love you. Like that's a rule. I don't necessarily agree with that. God can do whatever he wants to do, right? If it's God, mm-hmm. but there is something that that was in there is she she has to she's going to choose. You have to have her choose you. And I think there's something to the balance of God chooses not to force us. We're not robots." Mm-hmm. Um, he he chooses to give us everything we need for life and godliness. And he chooses to allow us to make that decision. So we're falling deeper in love with him rather than the angels that long to look into this love that's a choice mm-hmm. and this salvation that's a choice that's in heaven. All they've ever known is heaven. So like, ooh, this is mysterious. This doesn't make sense. So really the Bible is the greatest love story we've ever been encountered. Mm -hmm. People don't always look at it that way. And the love that God has for us is immensely like the love of a parent and the love, the love of someone that just genuinely wants us to be in heaven and does everything he can possibly to do that. And I think, I think that's what people miss about the conversation about hell is God's already written this love letter to us Mm -hmm. and shown us that he loves us. It's more a matter of us making a
1: decision and moving forward. Absolutely. I mean, you know? the reality of hell reveals the love of the father. And if there were no hell, then there's nothing to convince us of the love of the father. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, because there's an opportunity of hell when we choose the father, then that shows him that that's sincere love for him because we've embraced his sincere love for us. Yeah. But if he's like, I love you, I want you to be in heaven with me, but then there's no other option. It's like, well, really, I don't care about your love because there's no other choice i mean we wouldn't want our spouses to marry us because there was no other option right i mean that's insulting <laughs> right? Uh, yeah yeah <laughs> <I know. laughs> we, we're convinced of their love for us because they have plenty of options right yeah. and yes. they still chose us mm-hmm.
0: yes so okay some people were going to ask this after your sermon on sunday even though i think you made it clear but um i was asked a question on Sunday. And I, I kind of know the answer to this one, but I, I want to hear from you guys first because may, maybe I'm a little bit off, but um, is there a possibility for hell to be temporary rather than eternal? So we've already answered the second part of this question that I was asked. Can, can someone get redeemed or reconciled to God in hell? Cause it takes an extended period of time. And the answer we already have is no. But that first part is hell temporary or eternal. You address one version of that, which was annihilationism, I believe um,
1: but is there, I mean, is it, is it eternal? I mean, really, like where uh, is it? There, there's is it 100% eternal? scriptural support for it being eternal because um, Matthew 25 says that he will send them off to eternal punishment. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you, you got to change scripture if you want to believe it's temporary. Wow, that
0: was an easy answer. Yeah. Courtney, you don't have anything to add. No, but I
2: have to admit, when you did bring up Revelation and it talked about then hell gets thrown into mm-hmm. the lake of fire, then I thought, oh, well, then could it, you know, it's, to, it's that like human brain trying to make it better, right? Mm-hmm. Like then, mm-hmm. oh, then does it cease? And then all those yeah. people don't have, you know? Yeah. But the Bible does say eternal, so I agree. Yeah. Like, yeah. I agree with that answer, but the thought did occur to right. me right. in Revelation. Right. What does Absolutely. that look like? What does yeah. that mean?
0: Yep, I'll hear you. Yeah.
2: How does hell exist inside a lake? Okay, of <laughs>
0: I, I feel like I feel like the last two weeks we've had more theological questions after the sermons because it's on topics that people are like engaged with or somewhat controversial. So this is another question from that that realm. Um, maybe maybe we can shed light on some things about this. Because what's the experience um, or what's your idea of uh, God's presence being absent in hell? We talked about that a little bit earlier. But like, also, how does that, how does that different than the traditional view of God being always present? You know, the the big theological term would be omnipresent, but mm-hmm. He's everywhere with us. Um, how does like, is hell the only place God can't be, or does He choose not to be there? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. what what does that, what does that mean? I just said you know what I'm saying. I I don't know what I'm saying.
2: <laughs> what are you saying,
0: John? <laughs> so so so. How do how do we explain the absence of God's presence in hell? That's probably I think the I think just summary. because
1: God um, can be all places doesn't mean He's forced to be in all places. He can choose to not be in certain places, just like He chose to be absent from Jesus Himself when He was on the cross. That's why Jesus said, "My God, My God, yeah. why have you forsaken me?" So, uh, God has chosen that His presence is not going to be in the same space as sin, and thus hell which is why when we choose sin, we, in a sense, displace the Holy Spirit from the throne of mm-hmm. our hearts and allow sin to reign. That's why God talked to uh, Cain, is Cain, right, in Genesis, yeah, yeah. and he says, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is to have you, but you must master it. And so, um, that's why they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden because sin could not stand in the same place as God's presence, Mm -hmm. Um, which is why the priests, there's illustration precedent for this all over scripture, which is why the priest, the high priest, one day a year, when he went into the Holy of Holies in the temple, he had to go through this massive uh, uh, system, this rigmarole of practices to fully purify himself. Mm -hmm. Because if he in any way, brought even the slightest sin into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was, then he would die just like that. And so just because he's able to be at all places at all times, he has chosen to keep himself separate from environments of sin.
0: So I I think like in the Old Testament, when you were saying that, I think of like when um, God took his presence from Saul, took Mm -hmm. his spirit from Saul because he was in sin. Mm -hmm. Um, I think of other situations like where God actually... Um, push people in that direction, like Pharaoh, if you notice through the first five plagues as they're leaving in the Exodus and uh, the first five plagues, it says Pharaoh hardened his heart. Yeah. And then it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and God's presence was not with Pharaoh. Um, I, think, I think there's something to that. Um, it, the, the difficulty maybe some people have is, well, doesn't that actually limit God? But I, I don't know what to think about that.
1: Mm. I think
2: it's God's choice. Absolutely. 100%. Yep. I don't think he's limiting himself. I think right. he, he's making a choice to be separated from sin. I don't think it's mm-hmm. that he can't, I just think that he won't and he makes mm-hmm. it clear to us.
0: So it's, it's, a, it's not that he can't, it's that mm. he
1: won't. I, I, yes. I, think, I think it's, it's separate yeah. from his character, right? Very well, much. I think when God, God separates himself, especially from a person, um, it's an incredible act of grace, especially when he hardens their heart. I mean, think about, go back to the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. Would you say that at any time in the story, the heart of the father was not with his son? I mean, just because he wasn't in the pigsty with his son doesn't mean that his heart was not reaching out to him, praying for him every day. Right. It's just that he said, I cannot be in the pigsty with you. Because if I'm in the pigsty with you, then you're gonna be fine staying in the pigsty because I'm there mm-hmm. to take care of you. Mm-hmm. But I think the in Romans nine talks about this with all of Israel. I mean, it mm-hmm. says that God has hardened Israel. So there's a veil over Israel's face so that for a period of time, they will get jealous of the church, of the Gentiles and the faith that they have so that when the presence of God goes back to Israel, there will be this mm-hmm. massive influx back into the kingdom mm-hmm. of faith. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the Bible talks about how all Israel will be saved. But they have to see the faith mm-hmm. in, of the Gentile church, which is us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then the presence will go back with them. But it's an incredible grace because if His presence, if His if His presence stays with Israel, then they'll continue to live this, you know, this lukewarm kind of, I don't know, kind of life where they don't feel the need for faith anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, so so
0: let's let's take a take a a cul-de-sac here okay because you just mentioned lukewarm again and it made me think specifically when we talked earlier about the people having access to God or seeing things from God I mean in America we have a lot of access to God the Bible's the uh, most sold book in the United States it's uh, a book that people uh, explore. There's different Bible apps. There's you're, we have access to different translations and everything, and yet still we're lukewarm enough that only six percent of us believe in hell. So I mean, how do we how do we talk to people about hell, like other people, like other believers? I'm not even talking about like evangelism. That's super awkward. Like, Hey, do you want to hear about hell? No, we're not going to start with that. If I'm going to share the gospel, I'm probably going to listen to someone's story first. But, but what I mean is like, how do we talk about other believers about hell? Like, and how this is important. This is what you were saved from. Yeah.
2: I think oftentimes we have a testimony. We have a story that's more of a hell on earth kind of illustration. So Mm -hmm. we have, I was in this situation and i was brought to my lowest and i met i met jesus like i turned to jesus we have this illustration of how our life had been playing out without him Mm -hmm. and then we have that testimony of what changes have been made because we chose him so i feel like it's not about us just saying hey where do you think you're gonna end up someday but rather like look at what god has done in my life once I chose them. And I think once we can understand what we can see here or our experiences here, mm-hmm. then like it's a relationship thing. Eventually we can bring up hell, but I think it's definitely an awkward thing. Maybe maybe our the problem is our relationships aren't going to that deeper level. We, we can have those conversations. And so they're st- staying mm-hmm. surfacey, and maybe that's why only 6%. Of Americans believe in hell.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I think of like yeah. a transitionary statement in every conversation, there tends to be a transition <laughs> statement. And maybe it's like, well, when I share my testimony, this feels like it was hell on earth, but I know what scripture says about hell, and this is what it's the absence of God's presence. It's these things.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I, I I think I think there's maybe backlash. Maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna think of societal and cultural things, but like yeah. there's been backlash because hell was preached as the main reason to go to heaven, you know, like follow Jesus or otherwise you're going to go to hell for so many years in the United turn States. Burn, yeah. Turn like and that. burn like, and, yeah. and it, maybe it hasn't been in the recent years. Maybe it hasn't been in the last 15 years, maybe. But if you look at like the American church over the last hundred years, I would say that's a primary way of preaching almost. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. so you have these, the backlash against that generationally, depending on which generation you fall in, that just is like, well, we're going to do the opposite. We're not going to talk about it at all. Or or we're even going to go so far, we're not really going to talk about sin much. You know, there's a famous pastor that I famously quoted when I was in seminary. I was writing a paper and I remember writing it and thinking, he, he said, well, I want to talk about good things. I don't ever want to talk about sin. And the person across that was interviewing him was not even a Christian, was like, well, then what's the point of Jesus? And I think that's like, that's what we're missing with with hell and this discussion about hell so that leads me to my last question this is a very important question because i think this will lead us um further into our motivation about talking about hell so how does the existence of hell um, how does it influence our motivation to share the gospel and to lead others to christ you talked about a parent but i mean just in the big picture it's not this burning lake of fire that that's all we're gonna talk
1: about. But how does hell motivate us to share the gospel? The, the, the reality is when Jesus came, he said, well, the first thing he said is the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? And yeah. what we believe is that the kingdom of heaven was in breaking into a world where Satan was, is the prince of the power of the air. And so the kingdom of heaven was breaking into the kingdom of hell. The reality is every single one of us stand in tension between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of hell. Um, And in Jesus, we fully step into heaven where the Bible says we are currently standing in a state of grace, which is is great news. Mm -hmm. However, we can be lured by sin so that we start taking dips into the kingdom of hell. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what Satan wants. There is a, it's very real that you can be a believer in Jesus Christ and your eternal destiny is heaven. However, Satan can take ground in your life. Mm -hmm. And so we have to talk about hell because it exposes the motivation of Satan to begin putting roots into our life. This is why Jesus says, um, this is why freedom ministry is a huge deal because Mm -hmm. there are Christians who are in bondage to, to hell to some degree. It's a sin they can't get rid of. It's an attitude they can't stop. It's an anger issue. It's the way they treat their wife or their husband for that matter. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the reality is even though we're Christians, Satan is trying so hard to put his claws into our soul. Mm -hmm. Um, And at this point he's like, okay, I'm not gonna win the eternal war. They're going to heaven. But in this life, I can make them ineffective. Mm-hmm. And I can make them so discouraged and so broken and so sinful that they look nothing like Jesus. And maybe they'll go to heaven when they die, but man, I can totally take them out of the game right now. It's
0: mm-hmm. like what you said. I mean, like a living hell. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're just, yep.
1: you're just in that space. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So you, you gotta talk about heaven. Yeah. Or I'm talking talk about hell because then you realize what it does to you.
2: Yeah, again, you can't, you can't, know what Jesus has saved you from unless you know where you would have headed had you not, I mean, I think you have to, you have to look at eternity in order to fully grasp the gospel of Jesus. If you can't talk about hell, well, you should talk about hell so that you, so that you can help someone else to realize like with, without like your life is great, but where are you going to go someday? Like, Mm and not just that but i think we are all born with that innate need to fill that god-shaped hole with something so we all know that we need something more but we may fill it with things not of god right so everybody has that i i believe that desire to know what completes them and if we don't if we don't share like hell with people then
0: we're only giving We're, him half a picture.
2: Right, it's a disservice and so as I'm saying that I'm literally thinking okay but how are you sharing hell with people? So <laughs> I realize like it is it is a very weird territory mm-hmm. to talk about. But if you can't grasp hell then you can't grasp why you need Jesus.
1: I think one of the ways that you can talk about hell is not by mm-hmm. saying let me tell you about this place in eternity that's surrounded by a lake of fire and burning mm-hmm. sulfur um the way that I would talk about hell is to say uh, th- there was a sin that was becoming a stronghold in my life. And I can, let me tell you what it did to me. Mm-hmm. It about ruined my family. Mm-hmm. It about made me lose my wife, lose my job. And then Jesus stepped in and set me free from all of that. And I'm here to tell you what freedom in Jesus actually feels like. Yeah. But here's what hell was trying to do to me. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think those stories, the vulnerability mm-hmm. um, uh, pays a lot of dividends.
2: It's an active I mean, restoration and redemption process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That if we are just real with people and we discuss it and we talk mm-hmm. about it, where we've come from, mm-hmm. um, I do think it helps people to relate to that yeah. and to kind of look introspectively into their own.
0: One of one of the things that I think um, is is kind of as we we close all this time, I think one of the things that is clear, we need to have open conversations about this. Um, Eric, what you just shared, I, I kept thinking like, why do people not do that? And the only thing I could think of is, is shame from like guilt or something like that, but that's not from God. So the reality is sharing our inadequacies or the things we've struggled with or the things we are struggling with mm-hmm. is what God calls us to. Mm-hmm um and i think as christians we need to embrace people in their vulnerability and their whatever wherever they're at um and to encourage them with the gospel and encourage them that hey you are saved like this is something if you put your faith and trust in jesus you are saved and um to encourage them towards essentially bringing the kingdom to heaven now so uh, that's a that's a great way to close today. But uh, if you're watching, um, you might've noticed that I didn't say earlier to subscribe. You need to subscribe, hit the notification bell, comment below. Maybe you have more questions about heaven and hell that we didn't answer or maybe things that you're thinking about. Um, it's definitely something that is discussed often. Sometimes if you look at uh, Walmart or a store like that, the top five books usually have some book about heaven or something about hell. And so um, it'd be something that we definitely could discuss in future uh, episodes of Church Unscripted. So thank you for being with us. Um, Comment below, like if you like this post, and we'll see you next week.